If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. There was an old Spanish nun who was teaching the class and she hated me. She made me sit over in the corner and I got to like hold flannel and that's it. She wouldn't let me get near the sewing machine. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafter stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on a quilt top with a 50-pound pencil with needle and thread attached and at very high speeds. My philosophy is there's nothing as warm and comforting as a handmade quilt, and my mission is to get as many out there in the world as possible. So I quilt for people, and I teach others to quilt for themselves. There are so many quilt makers and just as many stories. Quilting has been a bridge between generations. It has soothed loneliness and chronic pain, and it's been a beautiful expression of art and creativity that spans countries and cultures. Joining me today to tell us her story is Tia Curtis. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to Pins and Needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Today's tip will be really helpful when you're working at your domestic sewing machine piecing a quilt. When you're making a quilt, you will likely have a lot of short seams. And the tendency with a lot of sewing machines is to tangle those beginning thread tails when you're beginning a seam. And believe it or not, that can really interfere with having a nice flat seam when you press it. Not to mention it's just annoying to have those thread knots at the end. So here's how to avoid it. Number one as often as you can, strip piece. So that means piece a whole bunch of seams, feeding them one right after another under the needle without cutting the thread. When you do need to cut the thread, have a little scrap, whether it's fabric or maybe a little piece of batting, just an inch and a half wide or so, and feed that under your needle after your last seam. Then cut the thread behind that little leader, if you will. When you go to start your next seam, put it in front of that little leader. And that just holds all those thread tails and never allows them to get entangled at the beginning of your seam. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan, where for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. This helps me get a better microphone and enables me to keep bringing you these weekly episodes. Thank you so much for your support, and maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. So today I am welcoming Tia Curtis into my studio. 
Tia is an artist, an educator, and a professional long-arm quilter living in Kansas. She has taught quilting on both hemispheres of the planet and has had her work published in numerous books and publications. Tia has a modern and whimsical approach to both quilting and designing quilts. Her classes are fun and uplifting, and she can talk quilts for days, can't we all? You can see some of her work and have access to her patterns on her website, tiacurtisquilts.com, and we'll provide links in the show notes. So welcome, Tina. Thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So where shall we start? Maybe where did quilting begin for you? Have you always been sewing? Does your mother sew? All those sorts of questions. So my grandmother made quilts, but my mother made clothing. And I remember when I was little, she loved to make us dresses. It was me and two sisters, so three little girls. My mom was always sewing for us and jabbing us with pins. And ugh, I, I hated it. Um, and then I took a home ec class in high school and I failed. Yes. So I lived in Honduras at the time and the it was an old Spanish nun who was teaching the class and she hated me. She hated that my name was Tia. She made me sit over in the corner and I got to like hold flannel and that's it. She wouldn't let me get near the sewing machines. So I was like, oh, well, I guess something's terribly wrong with me. So how how old were you, can I ask? Oh, I was 16. Oh <laughs> I, was, I was plenty old. <laughs> but, you know, she just, she had very, very strong opinions about gringos, and she didn't like us. And, you know, I am definitely a gringo. I'm blonde. My dad was working with the embassy in Honduras, and we all moved as well. So I hated, I really didn't like sewing at all after that. And I kind well, of I put see it why. all away. Yeah, I know. She's mean. And she made sewing seem so complicated. Like there was this mysterious machine that I was not even worthy to touch. So I was like, okay, whatever. This, uh, there's plenty of other things to do to heck with this nonsense. So I joined the army after college. I went to school for nursing. And um, I was a nurse when I was in the army and everything was so serious, right? You know, the army is serious. Nursing is serious. And I needed something a little bit fun. And I was, I'd had like three miscarriages at this point, And I just, I needed, I needed a victory <laughs> in my life. So the, um, the local craft store in Heidelberg had a, a quilt class. And so I signed up to take it. And it was this horrible sampler quilt. And like, it was like a Baptist fan. No, no, it wasn't. It was a Dresden fan and a log cabin and just all super traditional blocks. And I went to class every, you know, what, twice a week. And I had my work done and I was really excited. And then the last class, and I thought she was going to be able to teach us how to put the whole thing together and quilt it. I, I missed that class because I had to go take a patient back to the States on a medevac. And I never knew how to finish my quilt. I didn't know how to quilt. I didn't know how to put all the blocks together. I knew nothing. And it was very sad. Well, 
then I moved to the United, back to the States. I ended up getting out of the army and my husband was deployed all the time. I, at this point, I figured out how to stay pregnant and I had three children in diapers. So while my husband was gone, I, I found a quilt group at my church and they had free childcare. So that's the ticket. We went. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I learned how to put all my quilts together and how to quilt. And it was amazing. And I haven't looked back. <laughs> that's so, so you're kind of like, despite all the odds, you became someone who loves fabric and sewing. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I remember walking into that little craft shop in Germany and they had only batik fabric. I don't know. The lady who was the buyer loved batiks. That's all she bought. And it was the most glorious thing I'd ever seen. I loved it. It was like walking into like a dream. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but you're mostly a long arm quilter nowadays. Yes. Or do you still spend quite a bit of time sewing and designing? Well, I do a lot of time uh, sewing and designing and I'm working on patterns. Like for years I wrote patterns for books and magazines but I kind of signed some really pretty terrible contracts. You know, you live and learn, right? You don't know, right? Until you learn, yeah. You don't know what you don't know. I thought it was a great idea. But anyway, so what I'm trying to do now is put together my little own extreme of patterns that are available on my website. So I've learned Illustrator. As I mentioned, we will link to that in the show notes. So I have like a study in improv. Like I do like a little improv lesson and we learn how to quilt my way or make quilts, not the actual quilting, because that's a different pickle. And I'm going to have that available too as like uh, on-demand classes. Um, so it's been quite a pivot during this 2020. <laughs> but I have a study in it of... Um, applique blocks these big four block appliques which those will be very awesome nice so how did you go about so there's kind of two different things so let's explore pattern designing first how sure. did you go about developing your own style or does that just come over time and with experimentation well besides sewing with the baptist ladies i'm very self-taught because we moved to australia right after i had like decided i love quilting this is something i want to do uh, we're moving to Alice Springs and they told us if we have a hobby, we have to bring it with us because there's, there's nowhere to really buy stuff. So I went to Hobby Lobby with my three kids in the buggy. We went to the fabric section and I said, I want to buy some patterns because I'm going to Australia and I want to keep sewing. And the lady looked at me. And she looked around the fabric store and she said, no, there's no such thing as quilt patterns. Women just look at quilts and they make them. Hmm. And I was like, oh, you're clearly know what you're talking about. You work here. So it must be true. So I just bought some fabric and broop, off I went. Well, obviously she had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> That's so funny. Now, at the same time, I had my own little business where I made bags. So I'd gotten out of the army. Kids are asleep. I need to do something. And I made bags out of people's uniforms. So they would send me their 
their tops or their pants. And I had, God, I think I had almost 14 different bag designs that I had made. Um, so they could order from my website. They could order like a big tote bag or a little bag. And they would send me their stuff. They picked out the fabric that they wanted. And I, I did it all. It was, it was really quite an undertaking. I would never do it again now, knowing what I know. But back then, I was young and stupid. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Yeah. I, I wasn't stupid. I was young and, and fearless. I didn't, there's no reason to fail. Why would I? And fearless is not a bad thing. It's not a bad way oh. to approach a new skill. I'm a long arm quilter, so I kind of really want to hear about this. How did you sort of get, get into that? And what's been the sort of learning trajectory and developing your sure. style there? Because that's where I've seen a lot of your photographs and know you're very whimsical, very kind of fanciful <laughs> style. And I love it. And I want to know how that came to be. Sure thing. So I was sewing for different fabric manufacturers for Quilt Market. They would send me a new collection of fabric. I would make the quilt. I would design the quilt. I would write the pattern and I would quilt it. I did everything. And I, you know, they didn't pay me. It was wonderful <laughs> for them. <laughs> but I was quilting this huge quilt and it was, oh, my back was sore. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. And I knew Angela Walters from a, a brief interaction with her with the Modern Quilt Guild when we first started. So she, I knew she had this thing called a gamel. And so I went on Craigslist to look for a gamel. And you know what? There was one for available in town. And we lived at this point we in San Angelo, Texas. And it's a tiny town in the middle of Texas. And there was a huge one available. It was a Gamel Supreme. It was very old. It was all hand guided. And I bought it for $2,500. What a value. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it took up my entire garage. And I'd been sewing or quilting for so long at my domestic machine that all of a sudden I had... I had like the view of like an eagle. I could see everything that I was doing. It wasn't all bunched up around me. It was it was incredible. And I just took off and flew from there. And I, you know, at the time I thought I was doing great work. But looking back, you know, machines have really improved a lot over the years. Yes, they have. <laughs> but once again, everyone's got to start somewhere. Even the first graders yes. have to start printing oh, on God. the first day. So, so we moved up to Kansas, back up to Kansas, and we brought it with us. And my husband was like, he was messing around with it one day. He's like, Tia, don't you want a digital machine? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> so lo and behold, there was one for sale in Kansas City. We went and we bought it. It had a, a Statler on it, and it was already loaded with thousands and thousands of patterns. So I was then doing edge to edges for customers and custom as well because I love custom quilting I love to look at a quilt and figure out you know what's gonna make certain parts of this really pop really look great so so yeah I've been doing it since and and then I worked with with Gamel back in 2019 and traveled all around the world teaching on their um, Quilting with Confidence tour. 
And that was really, really fun. So just to clarify, Gamel, I sew on a Gamel too, so I'm familiar with them. Yay! So they have this um, program where they have a series, and I don't know all of them, but they have a lot of educators who travel with the Quilting with Confidence tour, who are, um, you can book time to learn one-on-one -on -one with those various educators, and they're just super knowledgeable and have, I think, a really wide variety of quilting styles, wouldn't you say? Oh, gosh, definitely. Definitely. So, on a personal note then, is Gamel, have you stayed loyal to Gamel all these years? Have you tried other machines or been tempted to? Well, I've taught on other machines, like at different quilt shows. So I've taught on Innovas, I've taught on Handy Quilters, I've taught on Jukies. Um, but, you know, man, a Gamel is, I just, it's just what I know. And I'm comfortable with it. I, I Like, the machines I have are 30-inch machines. They're massive. But I love that weight. The, the track is so smooth. It's so easy to push it around. You know, I love it. I unhook the belts and I do custom. I hook back up the belts. I load up a bunch of baby quilts. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And it'll sew anything. And, and I don't know about all the other machines because I haven't sewn, you know, tons on them. But, you know, I had a lady bring me this horrible, like, woven blanket that she wanted quilted and it was thick it was like a quarter of an inch thick and she wanted batting and batting. it was it was it was awful it was this horrible monstrosity when i was done she was happy and that's what was important shoot i've even quilted people's feather duvets on on this gamel it, it does anything whatever that's cool. whatever you throw at it it'll quilt <laughs> so one of my questions was going to be what is the hardest or weirdest or ugliest quilt you've ever worked on Oh gosh! Well, the one with the that weird blanket, because the fabric smelled so bad. It smelled like like diesel fuel. And I don't like. I don't know where she found this thing. She thought it was beautiful, but it stunk so bad that I had to quilt it quickly and get it out of my house because it was making like as soon as I walked into the house. I could smell that fabric down in my basement. Okay, well then let's look on a brighter side. What's the what's the most rewarding or favorite project that you've worked on? Oh gosh, I don't know. There are all there's always great stories, you know. The last one you did? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right now, actually, upstairs, I'm quilting a quilt for a little eight year old girl named Allie, and it's her first quilt she ever made. And she wants it quilted with these kitty cats all over it, but she wants to see it being quilted. So I'm trying to record it so she can see the whole process to understand it a little bit. And it's, that, I think that's cute. <laughs> that is kind of fun because who knows? Who knows what she's going to grow up and take to, right? I know. Hopefully she doesn't have a mean Spanish nun make her sit in the corner. <laughs> That is, I mean, seriously, despite all odds, is how you became a person who loves fabric. Tell us what kinds of things inspire you. So here's something that I see a lot of in your work is your gorgeous feathers and all the variations of them that you do, particularly in borders. I love feathers. So here's a funny feather story. So I didn't know what feathers were. I went to sew with uh, Gwen Marston at the at her Beaver Island quilt retreat. And I just knew that I was madly in love with Gwen Marston. Everything she touched was gold. And it was just movement and passion. And 
that's that I, anything she did I loved I bought all her books so I went to go sit with her with my mom and my mom is a very different quilter than I am my mom wants all the instructions written out she wants the exact fabric she wants the same I want nothing the same I want to see a picture of what you did and then I want to do something totally different or I want to know your process right so we Everybody wanted Gwen to show her, show them feathers, show us feathers, show us feathers. And I was like, I don't know what feathers are, but I'm going to find out. So Gwen said, come everybody, gather around. And she just drew these little designs, you know, here's a basic one. Here's kind of a fancy one. And here's a crazy one. And she's like, they're not hard. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, they're not hard. Look. As soon as I got home, I made a quilt just so I could quilt feathers on it. And they were not hard because she told me they were not hard. And I like to slam together traditional feathers and leaves and little popsicle looking things. I want it all to be happening because it's so fun. It is. And it takes up a lot of real estate, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. And I think you've summed up your style. It's fun. It's engaging. <laughs> That's how I see your style anyway. Well, thank you. So do you have some do you have some really good advice for someone who's particularly new to long arming? I run into these people all the time that are just so darn scared of their machine and you know, what do I do first and how do I know what to do next? And so what's your what's your best advice for them? My best advice is to quilt quilts. You know, what's what's gonna go what can possibly go wrong? Right? Even if you quilt it ugly it's quilted. It can be used now. Like I started buying um, antique quilt tops off of eBay. And these were old quilts that were sometimes ugly or just weren't able to be quilted for whatever reason. So there was no pressure, right? But there was borders and there was sashing and there were empty blocks. I mean, it was a true quilt but I wasn't really invested in it with my time of making it. I just wanted to practice quilting it. And so that, I think that, that really helped me kind of develop a style and to not be afraid of quilts. Yeah, because if it's when I'm spending, you know, years doing hand applique on, that does make me nervous because I don't want to mess it up. Or if I get a customer's quilt oh, that has had years of hand applique on it and Sometimes that'll just drape over the machine for days before I decide to jump in. Yeah. That's really sound advice, though. Find whatever way you need to to take the pressure off. So whether it's trying a smaller quilt or a simpler quilt, or as you say, one you have not invested um, time or love or money into, that can be a good exactly. way to, to get going. And sometimes just load up some muslin and just play just draw just try new designs and then when you're finished you could make that little quilted thing into a bag good idea so are you a doodler like on whiteboard paper that sort of thing or do you just go straight to the quilting machine i have stacks of sketchbooks <laughs> i love to sketch i love to draw just so i can you know you know the whole muscle memory thing it's a thing 
It is a thing. It is a thing. But not everyone is comfortable doing it. And I confess I'm not really a doodler. I tend to go straight to the machine and I doodle, but I doodle right on my machine. I I quilt much better than I draw. (laughs) Now, I guess some like before I plan a new class or something, that is all just fabric I've loaded up and I just get the technique right and attractive and then I can go from there. Because sometimes I'll have ideas in my head and they don't work out. So what are the things do you think that cause a design to work or not to work? And how do you kind of approach that sort of troubleshooting process? I think scale is so important. Because, you know, I do a lot of edge-to-edge quilts. Just because, you know, this is a business and edge-to-edge is what pays the bills, right? Custom is fun. But, you know, I don't, I can't do that many of them. They're too big and they take too long. So, you know, you got to really think about scale because sometimes a tiny Baptist fan will look great on a project. And, but what happens if you do that and then the whole entire quilt can't be used because it's as stiff as a board? So I still think that quilts should be soft and usable. Unless it's like an art piece and you know, that's a whole different ball game. <laughs> it really is. And there's there's whole different fields out there for quilters, but the bulk of the quilts that we see, I think, as as long armors are just people making quilts to give, to use, to love. You know, they're gonna get lugged from pillar to post and laundered and what have you and I hope loved. So. Did and I mention worn that? out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's what quilts are meant for. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, any parting words of wisdom for, well, you know, even a youngster who's, well, we don't have to be. If you have more to say, you keep going. (laughs) Say you are a youngster and you're in school or you haven't loved home ec or you don't have anyone to show you what to do. Maybe you don't have a mother, grandmother, or aunt that can show you how to quilt. Like, where does one get started and what's a good type of project to start with? Well, the beautiful thing about being a quilter in 2021 is so much is online. I mean, anything from YouTube to Craftsy to Blueprint, there's, oh, sorry, Blueprint is done, isn't it? It's Craftsy again. (laughs) Sorry. But there's so many different, there's so many different online platforms to find so much knowledge. And even if it's just taking a hand needle and thread and running it through fabric, you know, that's quilting, right? There's an absolute wealth of, you know, YouTube channels and even reels on, you know, on Instagram that will give you hand quilting knowledge or hand sewing knowledge or applique or English paper piecing or anything. And I think tote bags are the best project because they're so, it's just a rectangle, a long rectangle, quilt it, sew it together, gusset the size, slap some straps on. handle on, you're good to go. Yep. I agree with you there. Good idea. So that's a good starting project, a tote bag, a grocery carrier, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Fantastic. You have certainly spanned the globe in your experiences. Um, Do you think that that has influenced your design aesthetic? Well, I think so. You know, so one of my favorite types of quilting is Welsh style quilting. And I'm of Welsh descent but I've never been to Wales. So when we lived in Australia, I bought a magazine off of Amazon 
and it was about beautiful stitching. And I think it was called Threaded Magazine, I think. I don't know. Anyway, it was all about Welsh-style quilting, and it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And I dove down this rabbit hole, and I learned everything I could about it, and now I teach it. And I have, you know, I've got a class on Craftsy, and I have taught at QuiltCon and quilt shows, but it's it's just so different because the Welsh, this is the folklore, the Welsh move to Pennsylvania. Not all of them, obviously, there's still plenty of Welsh people in Wales, but some moved to Pennsylvania and they taught the Amish to quilt. I did but not where, know that. Yes. Oh, it's quite fabulous. But where Amish quilting is very serious and it's quite perfect, Welsh is not. Welsh quilting is passionate and funny and it almost like vibrates with energy where Amish quilting is still amazing. It's beautiful. But it's serious. It's very contained and, and it's very structured. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's like two sides of a coin. It's phenomenal. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. How fun. So can you, like you've given us the feeling of Welsh quilting, but like what makes it different from other quilting? Can you describe it for, for us listeners? So Welsh quilting, it's, it doesn't really matter so much what the quilt pattern is. A lot of Welsh quilts were made with wool, like wool front, wool back, and it's almost like a whole cloth with wool batting. They're very thick, almost like a horse blanket, if you've ever seen one of those. And the actual quilting, it's like these inner arcing circles and leaves and medallions in the center, super intricate borders that are easily broken down into into like their little steps it's amazing stuff just google welsh quilting and hopefully you will dive down this border or this rabbit hole with me <laughs> i will i will okay so give us a recap then you teach classes you have some on craftsy you have some have, on your own website right yeah well i'm making the pitch we're gonna have live classes and pre-recorded classes Woo i'm making the pivot <laughs> well aren't we all yes and, and i have a youtube channel and i travel and i do zoom teaching whatever so really everywhere you can be found everywhere good to know <laughs> sure thing <laughs> yeah i like before 2020 hit i was doing another quilt another class for blueprint and it was going to be all feathers it was all different types of feathers and like right before i got my ticket to go film blueprint sold itself so it became craftsy so i have all these class samples and step outs and teaching material for a class that never happened <laughs> well you know you never know what's well. around the corner do you yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'll be a pre-recorded class at some point. <laughs> All righty. Well, I know I've said it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Susan. Any, any parting words of wisdom? 
So uh, I think if you want to start quilting, just dive in. There's no wrong way, and there's so many different types of quilting, and it's not important for your points to match. Agreed. There, there are no quilt police. It is entirely about being expressive. Exactly right. Entirely. All righty. Well, on that note, I will let you get back to quilting, and I'll do the same. Thanks so much for joining All right. me. Bye, Susan. Bye-bye. And thank you for tuning into the show. For information on classes I offer or quilting services, please see my website, stitchedbysusan.com. If you're a long-arm quilter and looking for freehand tips, take advantage of the live and unscripted episodes on my Facebook page, Stitched by Susan. Replays are also available on my YouTube channel, also Stitched by Susan. And if pictures are your preference, check out my Pinterest galleries of edge-to-edge and custom quilting projects. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.